Hello, and welcome to Revolutionary Ideas, the monthly Marxist podcast from Socialist Alternative. In this episode, we'll be discussing LGBTQ liberation. In recent years, corporations have hopped onto Pride as a marketing technique, but will that deliver real liberation? Or is a much more radical change of the system needed? To answer these questions on today's episode, we have our regular panellists, Yara and Connor, who will be interviewing today's guest, who is Jade Ritchie from Socialist Alternative in Leicester. Over to you three. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Revolutionary Ideas. This time we're going to be discussing LGBTQ plus liberation, which I'm very excited about. So today we have Connor with us. Hi, Connor. Hiya. And also we've got Jade. Hi, Jade. Hello. Brilliant. So I think like every time we want to start with something that's pretty basic, I guess, um, and kind of ask the, mo- the, the biggest and most difficult question, uh, which is, why are we even talking about this? Why is the oppression of LGBTQ plus people connected to capitalism? I mean, I think there's a couple of really important ways that it's connected to capitalism. Um, the way that it developed is in many ways similar to the ways that the uh, systems of gender oppression developed. And that's that capitalism needs a strict lineage for inheritance. Um, And so once we started to produce more goods than we needed for simple survival, once we started to produce a surplus, um, the necessity of sort of deciding who gets to keep that surplus uh, started to come around. And so this obviously influenced the way that women were dealt with in society. and then similarly, the oppression of queer people comes from the same place. And that's because it, it kind of, it bucks the sort of capitalist norm, the necessity of having uh, a strict family unit, you know, uh, to produce children that will then continue to work and so on. Yeah, I think that that's an important point, actually. You know, it was... In, you know, it's so closely linked with class society. It's only when we started really kind of developing class society, when we started developing a surplus uh, in society that allowed for this kind of privileged ruling class to develop. Um, and they, you know, they used inheritance as a way of passing on their wealth. And that was the reason why things like the nuclear family, uh, strict kind of gender divisions that we have in class society were brought in. Um, it was a way to control this kind of system. And obviously in that, it is connected to women's oppression. And I think that's quite kind of obvious. Um, and, you know, this system was the base this, uh, for women's oppression just as much as it was for LGBTQ plus people. So, yeah, I think I, I really agree with this. And I think, you know, we, we talked in the last episode about women's oppression and about Engel's book, that my, the, the family, uh, the origins of the family, private property and the state. And I think this really connects to that, like you said, because, you know, if there's this surplus value, so, you know, but we have from the inception of class society, there's been this kind of accumulation of wealth and why would you accumulate that, that wealth if you can't pass it on? Like what, what's going to happen to that wealth? So 
you have to control not just women's sexuality but everyone's sexuality in a way and if that sexuality doesn't kind of go together with the kind of traditional nuclear family then what are you going to do with it yeah and so of course i think obviously same-sex couples today it's a little bit different sometimes it can adopt you know but in the past it's obviously been the case that they are not then able to sort of uh, produce offspring and then which is what capitalism wants it wants us to keep you know keep that nuclear family as, as Connor said you know producing children the woman raises the children the man works um, and of course you know gay couples uh, kind of went against that trend and similarly um if you went against the gender roles you uh, it acted in much the same way you were kind of you're ditching the roles that that society has decided you should have and so obviously to the capitalist that's not what they want they want you know a kind of conformity yeah, and I think as well, um, obviously, inheritance plays a part, but there's also these unique issues that we have under capitalism, too. It's not just like a kind of hang up from a bygone age of, um, you know, when, when these things were first conceived. Uh, it's got all sorts of expression in kind of the division of the workforce, these attempts to keep the working class divided. Um, obviously, a more united working class is more of a threat to uh, capitalism so uh, it benefits even today from upholding these kinds of gender and sexuality based oppressions yeah that's an important point um i think the capitalists never want you to look up at what is causing the real issues in society which is of course capitalism they want the working class to be uh, sort of trying to fight within themselves and so to do that they stoke these kinds of um, fears and they stoke racism, they stoke uh, homophobia, uh, they stoke sexism because, you know, as, as Connor just said, the, you know, the scariest thing to the capitalist is the idea of a, a working class that is united um, because then, you know, we start looking at what the real issue is, which is the capitalists. Yeah, I think that's really true. And it also kind of connects to something that hopefully we'll have some more time to talk about later on in this episode. But I think there's a lot of talk nowadays about kind of intersectionality and about how there's, you know, many, many groups that are oppressed under capitalism and how we should kind of analyse oppression through the lens of each particular oppressed group. Um, so I, w I was wondering, what, what do you think about this, Jay? Do you think that like those struggles are separate? Do you think they're connected? Do you think that like, you know, LGBTQ plus people need to lead those struggles and straight people should stay behind and clap? Or do you think it should be a more united struggle? I think it should definitely be a more united struggle. Um, you know, again, we just talked about sort of the the need for a united working class and so i think it's it's key that we have these different aspects of struggle coming together to fight alongside one another not to see that their fights are separate uh, we want to see queer people fighting not just for queer rights but also to support things like the black lives matter movement 
And that's really the way that we can kind of win any changes. It's not by being separated. Um, we have much more power uh, as a group. So, yeah, I mean, in this country, actually, this kind of links into something quite relevant, which has been that there's a certain amount of controversy over the relationship between feminism and the fight for trans rights. Uh, in particular, there's been a certain trend of some um, so-called feminists talking about the conflicting nature of these two groups' rights and even that trans rights harm women's rights. But how would you see it, maybe Jade, as a socialist? Do trans rights conflict with women's rights? I mean, they certainly don't conflict. Um, obviously, at the beginning, uh, we talked about the the fact that both the oppression of women and the oppression of queer people come from the same source. Um, so that's firstly the point. But secondly, to assume that rights are competing kind of is an acceptance that rights are a limited resource. Um, the idea that kind of only certain amounts of rights can be handed out, um, I think. And that's obviously not the case. You know, we, we can fight for the rights of all all oppressed groups at the same time. And we shouldn't be trying to harm the movements of, of all of these different groups by sort of competing uh, with each other. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And I think that, that, that like, like Anna said, it's, it's such a big point for the feminist movement generally, and also for the queer movement. And I think if, if you kind of look back in history, you can see very similar arguments when it comes to gay liberation and like, you know, like 30, 40 years back of, you know, they, they are trying to take away the innocence of our children. They are trying to, con to convert our children. Um, they have kind of like a secret agenda, uh, something that's kind of bordering on a conspiracy theory. And I think, you know, the, the, the way that, let's say, like authors like J.K. Rowling has been, have been talking about this kind of makes it sound like trans people are not just, you know, a danger to women's resources, but that just that a danger to women. Um, I was wondering what, 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 what do you think about that? I mean, the, the idea that trans women are a threat to the resources of women is, I mean, it's clearly ludicrous. You know, we've seen this past decade of austerity uh, and it's, it's not trans women that have been cutting the funding to women's services or rape showers. It's the government, it's the capitalist class that has been taking these uh, vital resources. Uh, it's also, you know, it's clear that queer people face a lot of discrimination in society you know the it's not just women's services being that are being cut there's you know lgbt centers have been cut you know across the country and in fact across the globe um you know any kind of services that we need have been slashed and so i think the idea that the ideas of people like jk rowling that do seem to have caught a certain amount of traction uh, within this country are just completely wrong and you know when when you're talking about jk rowling who is a billionaire she really doesn't have any idea of what it's like to be a working class woman anymore 
and so she's not coming from a place of kind of struggle uh, so that's I think kind of why these types of ideas have, have caught on with her Yeah, I think these points about LGBTQ plus services, women's services and that kind of thing is important as well, because Jade's right that it's you know, it's not these groups cutting each other's funding for these services. It is the government. And that in and of itself isn't just because there's not the resources for it, like this kind of narrative would have you believe the you know, the wealth exists. At the moment, though, it's in the hands of a tiny few, the capitalist class. Um, and actually, we can have you know, full funding for all of these things, and it can go much further and cover things that currently aren't covered as well. And I think it's also worth adding that the fight for any of these resources won't just benefit, for instance, women, but all groups in society, you know, uh, better housing, for instance, to help women move out of abusive households or help lgbtq plus people that face similar issues of domestic abuse but also all working class people who need affordable housing and i think the problem is for some groups that means thinking beyond just the kind of breadcrumbs that we can win from the capitalist class we've got to be thinking about changing the whole system to fight for real liberation for women lgbtq plus people and all of society I think, I think that's really true. And I think also c connected to this is because of how capitalism works and how these ideas of division kind of run through it to kind of oppose anyone's liberation because not, not only are we stronger united because we can win more, but also those, like you said, that those struggles of queer people or the struggles of women or struggles of people of color once one of these groups wins something, then it's, it inspires others. And like that, that is something that capitalism is terrified of. And I think that is also why every, every single time we see one or few groups are being demonized by the system. And it, it sounds like it, it's coming from like a grassroots movement or something like that. But we, like, like you said, Jay, like, it's coming from rich people. It's coming from the people who are trying to protect the system and that presenting this kind of misunderstanding of what being queer is about. Um, you know, that there's this whole myth of um, trans, like, like men dressing up as women to go into shelters or to go into bathrooms and to assault women. And I was wondering, what, what, what do you think about that, Jay? Do you, do you think that there's like a concern that women should have or is it completely bogus? I mean, yeah, I think it's definitely completely this, essentially completely baseless accusation. Um, and, you know, you, you sort of alluded to earlier the way that, you know, not really that long ago, the way uh, gay men were treated was that they were a threat to people and that's exactly the same line of argument that's being used uh, on uh, trans women these days and the reality is is the people who uh, the people who actually provide services like rape showers they are like almost universally agreed that trans women should be able to access these services that they don't pose a threat that in fact men aren't 
at all likely to sort of pretend to be a woman uh, in order to get in like generally they found that if if someone's trying to do that they pretend to be like a social worker things like this and you know it's just this kind of demonization that is pulled up from nowhere uh in order to sort of justify what their goal is yeah and i think it's also you know like like what you said it's first of all it's unlikely that that it's unlikely that men would pretend to be women like why would they try to pretend to be victims and not someone with authority but yeah i think i think it's it's completely ridiculous to say that especially when you know we see like you say that we see that the people who are actually threatening us are not pretending to be anything you know um when we live in a system that perpetuates this and you know if that that's why i think trans women and cisgender women should be fighting together for those shelters do you know maybe get more funding so that the workers there can run thorough background checks on anyone who goes in like you know just use those resources for the benefit of working class people and people who are marginalized and victimized rather than try to find the scapegoat that doesn't actually exist and I think that that kind of we talked about this a little bit and I think it kind of connects to the question of how do we get queer liberation you know because we, we talked a little bit about intersectionality and about kind of the people who are actually perpetuating the problem and causing it and I was wondering do, do you have any like what, what, what are your thoughts about this do you think that what what we need to do is maybe like get more queer people in positions of power or you know get more corporations to pride and kind of change maybe the, the way that people perceive so do you think um you know what we need is more queer people in positions of power or letting more corporations at pride and kind of changing public perception of trans people of queer people of gay people or do you think that we we need to work towards liberation in other ways i mean i certainly think we need to move towards liberation in other ways um i think there's a there's a lot of push of this idea but i don't think it's ever actually truly helped for instance we had the prime minister of ireland uh, leo varadkar who was a gay man and he opposed gay adoption um because the reality is that just because you happen to be from a specially oppressed group doesn't mean that when you're in charge, you will do what's best for that group. You know, I would, there's, there's a lot of cis people I'd rather have in charge than say Caitlyn Jenner, because she's completely removed from the reality of life as a working class trans person. Um, and so the idea that we can just make everything better by, you know, having more gay CEOs is is ridiculous. When in reality, the the people that are oppressing us um, are the people in charge. And when you kind of take someone from an oppressed group and put them at the top seat of the table, so to speak, they will generally do what's best uh, and what keeps them there uh, and what's best for the capitalist. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And I also wanted to come back on one of the things that Yara mentioned, which was this idea of getting more corporations to pride. And I think 
you know, looking at the last few years experience of a lot of Pride events around the country and also around the world, in fact, shows the trend that happens when corporations get more and more influence in Pride events. And that's a decline in the militancy and a decline in the politicization of these kind of protests. And that's for these companies, obviously, that's to try and protect the brand image. They don't want to be associated with angry protesters. They want to turn it into, you know, a very nice thing where uh, there's no real kind of questioning of the system uh, that's causing the oppression. Uh, and in a lot of places where there are traditionally quite big pride events, for instance, uh, essentially, <laughs> you've seen a lot of them turn into a way for local businesses and not just small ones to make a lot of money out of tourism. And in a lot of these cases, actually, you've seen LGBTQ plus groups uh, organizing either political blocks on these uh, parades, treating them as kind of demonstrations or even separate demonstrations in another spot and making the point that it's you know it can be a, a celebration of gender and sexuality but it's also a fight for liberation and that won't just be one if it's a chance for a quick buck to be made by the same corporations that are responsible both for the system that oppresses these groups but also directly discriminates against these groups in the workplace and as jade pointed out that's the case whether the ceo is uh you know, is gay or transgender or not. Yeah, I also think that, like, you know, it, when you have so many brands and corporations at Pride, and, you know, when I moved to, to England from Israel, the first time I went to Pride, I was shocked because you can't actually march. There's these, like, blocks of corporations who have some people on those kind of floats and you just stand on the sidelines and... It feels more like a party now. Of course, I agree with you, Connor. Like we, we like th there's nothing wrong with celebrating sexuality. There's nothing wrong with celebrating gender. But the question is, what is pride? And I think when corporations kind of take over those th those protests and make them into parties, there's this implication of we are we are past this. We have liberated LGBTQ people. There's n nothing else that needs to get done. We're like we're going, all going to sit down and sing kumbaya and like have a party, but we know that that's not the case. We we know that like queer people are still at a higher risk of suicide, still at the higher risk of mental health issues. They're still not getting uh what what not getting jobs as easily. They're still discriminated. So we are, we still need to be fighting. And there's th those corporations aren't actually doing anything to help it. And like, I think I, I really, really agree with the point that representation, obviously it's, it's lovely to see, <laughs> you know, people who represent, I, I suppose people are closer to us um, in any part of society, but that is in no way helping us. They might make us feel better or more confident, but it also kind of spews this lie of we can all just get there if we want to, but we can't. And we know that we can't because the system is set up to marginalize people and to marginalize working class people, especially if they have those like, you know, extra types of oppression, like being a woman, being queer, being a person of color, etc.
And I think not only that, it also, I think this corporatization of pride takes away from the origins of it. I'm sure there's, you know, young people now who do not know the origins of it. They just see it as this this party. And that's obviously not their fault. They're, it's not kind of an aspect of history that is taught. Um, so the reason pride is on the day it is, is because uh, on the 28th of June in 1969, there was a pub in New York called the Stonewall Inn, which was uh, its clientele was mostly working class queer people but would very often be raided by the police for no reason, um, just essentially to harass the queer people that were were the customers there. And so on the 28th of June, the patrons of the pub essentially just decided that enough was enough and they, they fought back. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't a pie. It was literally a a riot and whilst i'm not saying that every pride should literally be a riot um i think it's it's good to remember that it was you know it really was a fight back against the kind of societal pressures yeah i think that's a really good point you know like i think it's obviously the the, the the queer movement has progressed a lot since the 60s and obviously we have a lot more a, a lot more rights and uh, a lot more freedom, but we haven't achieved that liberation. And especially when when you look at groups like like trans people, like non-binary people, that we, there's still so such a long way to go to get to even close to freedom or liberation. When like on on both levels of you know being able to live freely and proudly but also in, in the actual tangible ways of like not being able to get a job being kicked out of your house um and o- obviously the the major threat of mental and physical health and actual violence so i i agree that um maybe every pride being a riot is not the way to go but i was wondering what is the way to go so i think you know we, we talked about the kind of need for a united working class earlier on and I think you know really that does get to the heart of the matter that's exactly what we need to win um, we need people working together to fight against these types of systems uh, you know we need to be organizing uh, building mass movements that can take on the capitalist class and demand the types of changes that we need um, and not just in terms of short-term victories which we should fight for they're worth fighting for but that is not the end goal because you know i would say that true liberation of of all oppressed people you know can't be achieved without uh getting rid of capitalism without bringing in a socialist society yeah i completely agree with this i think like you know we we i i I specifically agree with you know we, we need to fight for those victories that we can fight within the system because we we can't just you know take the position of nothing can ever be won we know that things can be won we we have seen it we've seen uh, a a large number of countries around the world now allow for gay marriage um there's technically um equality in like on paper but there's still so many things that we can win 
However, I think that the system doesn't want to let us win those victories. And they will also take it away the minute that they can because they're not benefiting from it. And I think it's, it's, it's really important like what, what you mentioned about organizing together. And, you know, I think the issue that I would personally have with a riot is not, you know, fighting against the police or fighting against the institutions. It's about the fact that it's kind of like, rage that's just sparked and a straw that, that breaks the camel's back rather than an organized effort to actually win and it's also it needs to come from the understanding that capitalism doesn't want us to win so we need a system that supports us as queer people but also as working class people as women as people of color and as all the other oppressed groups that are being kind of put into this division instead of being united together to fight against the system that causes that division, that causes the discrimination, the violence and everything that we experience. Yeah, and I think this ties back to the point about building a socialist organisation as well, which um, has often been described as being the tribune of the oppressed and uh, the role of socialists in the fight for liberation of all these groups has to be to draw them together towards these common aims. And I think that, you know, through getting organized and through showing solidarity and that kind of thing, um, that's one of the important ways that we can achieve that as well. Yeah, and I think that that's why I think it's so important for us as a socialist organization to talk about these issues and keep analyzing them and making sure that um, we, we, we have them at the front of our mind, you know, because I think there's this, kind of myth that, well, I suppose it's in, in a lot of ways a myth that socialist organizations only care about the economy. They only care about working class as one group and everything else comes after. Like, you know, there's this, uh, this trope of uh, we'll, we'll do the revolution and then we'll care about the, the, the rest. Um, but I think that is a, a wrong position to take because I think often the most oppressed groups in society which are working class but also a lot of times also women also queer etc etc i think are the ones to draw socialist conclusions first because it's much easier to make that connection when you see the impact that capitalism has on your life an example that i tend to look to is the example of uh, the lgsm group which was lesbians and gays support the minors and this was during the 1984-85 miners' strike. A group of uh, queer people from London set up this organisation, uh, essentially to to send money directly to mining communities. Um, and they ended up being twinned with a mining community in Wales, which, you know, would seemingly be you know an extremely different sort of a completely different environment to you know these these london based queers and then you know these these mine workers in the valleys of wales and they actually they found that by working together that you know there was there was much more that united them than divided them you know they found that essentially you know they were all being oppressed in different ways by by margaret thatcher and i think something that came out of it although Obviously, the, the miners' strike was unfortunately lost in the end. Um, the, the miners' union 
as a block voted to enshrine uh, the, the fight for gay rights in the Labour Party's party platform. Um, and that happened largely because of that interaction. And I think, you know, that shows that when you when you come together and you work together, the things that seem very different, uh, I think, will kind of fade away very quickly. Uh, and you can build a fight back that is powerful and can have a long lasting impact. If you like what you've heard on this month's episode of Revolutionary Ideas, I want to urge you to get in touch with us and seriously think about joining. Go to our website, socialistalternative.net. For our Facebook, it's Socialist Alternative ISA England, Wales and Scotland. For Twitter, Socialist Alternative EWS. Instagram is socialistalternative.ews. And last but not least, for TikTok, socialist underscore vids. I also want to let you know about our upcoming Revolutionary Ideas online festival. This will be two days of Marxist discussion and debate on ways we can fight to change the world. From sessions on things all the way from Black Lives Matter, to the climate crisis, to a socialist approach to Covid, you're guaranteed to get more than you want there. To get your tickets, either go to the Eventbrite link attached on this platform or go to our Facebook page. Thank you for listening. Hope to see you next month. Bye.